Let's turn our Bibles this morning to the book of Revelation. We'll be in Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter number 21. I look forward to the message the Lord has uh, put on my heart for today. And I always enjoy uh, the book of Revelation. This morning we're going to look uh, very practically at chapter number 21. uh, But I know that this will be a help to us today. Revelation chapter number 21. I'm going to read two verses this morning for our text. But then we will refer to uh, several other verses in this chapter and, and also, we'll look at a couple of places in the book of Revelation this morning, and I believe this will be a, a help to us. Much of the message today will feel a little bit like a Bible study because we're going to look at some things, and I want to get some things established in our hearts and in our mind. I say this too often to our church people here, those of you that uh, are are not uh, visiting today for the first time. I I remind all of us uh, that we do not need to look at the events that are taking place in our day-to-day through the lens of a political commentator, whether he be conservative or whether he be liberal. The Bible tells us what's going on today. The Bible tells us what is going to take place today. And I am encouraged uh, by what the, my Bible tells me. You say, Pastor, aren't you discouraged by what's going on in this world? I don't have time to get discouraged by this world because I want to stay focused on what the Bible tells me uh, that we have to look forward to as a child of God. And so we'll look at Revelation chapter 21, verse 5 and verse 6. And he that sat upon the throne said, and by the way, there's no doubt who that is. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for those words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. I want you to notice that phrase in verse number 5. For these words are true and faithful. That's the title of my message this morning, and we're going to look at what those words are in several places this morning. These words are true and faithful. Father, we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for the fact that we can put our confidence in it. We put our faith in it. We put our hope in it. We build our lives upon it. And Father, today, may the Word of God encourage us, may it help us. May it instruct us. And Father, I pray that as the message progresses today, may we that are the redeemed, we that are born again, may we rejoice in these things that are faithful and true. But Father, there's one this morning who's unsaved. They've never settled their eternity. May these same words that are faithful and true, may they realize their need of a Savior today. May they realize the Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. May the Spirit of God... Uh, bring conviction. May they look to Christ today for their salvation. And Father, today, may uh, we be reminded of what we have to look forward to as your children, as believers today. We ask your hand of blessing on all that takes place, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I enjoy the book of Revelation. I enjoy uh, being reminded, and I think oftentimes we as Christians, because uh, the book of Revelation is not quite as easy to digest as the Psalms. Uh, it is though, it, although it is a very important book of the Bible, obviously, and is one that brings us great encouragement if we'll allow it to. Today in Revelation chapter number 21, we find in the book of Revelation, at, we get to this point, 
uh, in the future. Uh, God has already poured his wrath out on this world. Uh, the, we, the saints are with him. Uh, the final judgments have been passed and we have, a, have something to look forward to. And this is what we have to look forward to. We find in verses 5 and 6, uh, the Lord is sitting on his throne. And he says that all things, they write these words, they are true and faithful. What is he saying? He's saying they are faithful in the fact that uh, they're not changing. You can count on it. Um, what has taken place in our country, in our world in the last few years, has no bearing on what God has already said is going to take place. These words are faithful. That's why as this world changes around us, you and I must be anchored to the Word of God. We must get our confidence in the Word of God because this is what is faithful. It is true. Uh, you can count on it. By the way, uh, you'll not waver uh, in your beliefs. You'll not waver in uh, your uh, encouragement uh, in what the Lord has said if you look at the Word of God and realize that it is not going to change. We, we see this phrase, and that is true and faithful, and we understand that it is true, it is fact. This is not fake news. Anything contrary to what the Bible is, is telling us is fake news. This is true. When God says something is true, it is truth. Everything else is measured up against it. Man in this world today takes their ideas, their thoughts, and they take God's word and apply it to their thoughts and their ideas to see whether or not it's true. But friend, that is not the way that it should be done. What God establishes is truth, and everything else should be compared to it. And if it doesn't measure up to what God has said, it is false. It is error. It is a lie. But what Jesus is saying is this is fact. Now, when Jesus says it is fact, I want to pay close attention to it. We're going to look at some things this morning that if you're saved, you're on your way to heaven, you ought to be encouraged by because why? It's fact. It's faithful. It's true. It is going to take place. We can look forward to it. And if it is fact, and it is, is meaning it's true, and it is faithful, meaning it's never going to change, then you and I can make decisions today with confidence based on what God says will be taking place in the future. And as we look at this statement and we see him say, I remind you that in verse number 7, that first phrase, he said, he, he, I'm sorry, in verse number 6, and he said unto me, it is done. What has he said? It's finished. It's unchanging. It's final. We get to this place in the future, but we read today and what John was privy to see into that future as God revealed to him when Jesus proclaims that there is something that these words are faithful, they are true, it's done. It's never going to be changed. This morning, I'm going to get right to the outline because I've got a lot to cover this morning as we think of these words are true and we think of these that are faithful. I want to draw your attention to, again to verse number 5. He says, Behold, I make all things new. And that's where I want to say, first of all, as we consider these words are true and faithful, what words and what, what is true and faithful? We see, number one, that all things will be made new. Uh, I don't know about you, but there are things in this world I do not like. There are circumstances I find myself in that I wish I were not in. We get to, and we look at this world and say, it's never coming back. Things are never going to be the same again. That's true. 
We can never go back to how it was. That's true. But aren't you thankful as we fast forward to the future when all God's redeemed are with him? Jesus says he's going to make all things new. Look with me in verse number one. What, what things are going to be made new? That's, 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 that's good to be reminded of. But Jesus tells us in just this passage of Scripture what exactly is going to be made new. Look at verse number one and verse number two of this same chapter. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Hey, global warming is going to take place, but not in the way that these scientists want to push on us. This world is going to burn up. It's going to be more than that. It's going to be destroyed by the King of kings and Lord of lords. So what's going to happen when, when, when the world is destroyed, let me tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. In verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her, new, for her husband. What is, what is going to be made new? Verse number 1 and verse number 2, we find that we have a new residence. New residence. Boy, the place that God has prepared for His children is going to be unlike... You and I could even imagine the things that are wrong down here will be made right up there. What are we going to have? We're going to have a new residence. We're going to have a new city. We're going to have a, a new place to reside for all of eternity. What a wonderful thought as all things are going to be made new. Say, Pastor, do you really believe that is going to happen? There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth. Absolutely. Jesus says it's true and it's faithful. Meaning it's not changing. It is going to take place. We have a new residence to look forward to. But not just a new residence. That, that's, that's pretty exciting to me. But if we look at verse number 3, we find there's a new relationship. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. and He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and he their God. Now we know that we have a new relationship through salvation. But we get to this time in the future, it's going to be a new relationship from the standpoint. The Bible tells us the tabernacle of God is with men. You and I, as the redeemed, are going to spend eternity with our God. I'm thankful that God sits on His throne today. I'm thankful that God the Spirit dwells within me as a child of God. I'm thankful for the price that Christ paid on Calvary so that I could have forgiveness of my sins. I'm thankful that Jesus is there in that place today at the right hand of the Father. But the day is coming when God makes all things new, that we have that new residence. And guess who we're going to be with? We're going to be with God Himself. There's going to take a, there's going to, a change is going to take place in you and I, when we leave this corruptible flesh, we will have our incorruptible bodies. He is going to dwell with us, and we're going to see in just a few moments at the end of this chapter that Christ is the light of that city. Christ, in His glory, He is the focus of that city. There are some things we will not need in heaven because Jesus is going to be there with us. We gather today in this building as a church and to have church on the Lord's Day. 
But we get to heaven, Christ will be there with us in eternity. We'll have church every... You, th- you think church services are long now. But think, think about this. You and I and all the redeemed, we will not have this flesh. We will not have these minds. We'll have glorified bodies and we'll have the mind of Christ. You ever think about something from the past, something from the childhood, something sparks a memory in you? Maybe close your eyes or maybe you daydream and think about it. And we would say, it's like I was almost there again. There's memories. You think of somebody that maybe has gone on to glory and you think about them. You close your eyes and you can hear their voice. You can see them. Because we have them in our mind. It's almost like they're there. But we get to this place in eternity. We're going to have the mind of Christ. He will continually be in our thoughts because he will be our thoughts. This body will not have any, any failures. It will not have any failings because we'll have a glorified body. Christ will be with us. He will be the light of that city. But he will be with us in the fact that we are going to be eternally changed. It will be made new. Not only our residence, not only our relationship, but we have a new reality to look forward to. And I'm certainly looking forward to this new reality. Look at verse number 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Now Jesus said in verse number 5, Behold, I make all things new. That which we have known will be no more, because everything will be new. We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. It's much better than this one. We're going to have a new relationship in the sense that our relationship is not going to be in this corruptible, but in an incorruptible. We'll not have this corruptible mind, but we'll have an incorruptible mind, the mind of Christ. But we're going to have a new reality, meaning that which we deal with down here will not be anymore. What is the reality of this life? You see that list there. The reality of life on this earth is tears. I'll not ask you to raise your hand, but I would, I would say just about everybody, if not everybody, if you were honest in the last 30 days, who shed tears? We could even narrow that down to the last seven days, who has shed tears? Perhaps in the last 24 hours, who has shed tears? And what we would say is, I'm praying for you because we know tears are a reality. That says there'll be no more tears. We see that word death. We don't get used to death, but we get used to death. Because we know death is a reality. That is part of life, is death. Part of life that we know there's sorrow. And living with that broken heart and that sorrowful spirit and 
the memory of the thing that made us shed a tear, or the, the memory of a loss or the disappointment. There is sorrow that we live with. That is part of life. We often say this, you got to pick yourself up. You got to go on with life and you carry that burden. You carry that broken heart. Why? Because that's part of reality. It's part of what life brings us. The crying that is mentioned in verse number four. Well, here's something that we can relate to. Pain. I'll not ask how many of you are hurt as soon as you got out, well, I say as soon as you got out, before you got out of bed this morning. Some of you could testify that it is your reality that you feel pain every single day. Even as parents, we see our small children in they, they hurt themselves through the course of their carefree life and playing and just part of life and they experience some pain and how many times has, has that child fallen off of their bicycle or they've, they've gotten hurt in something they were doing and they skin their knee and those tears that come down their, 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 their cheek and how many moms go running to their, their defense and, you know, dad tries to be tough. It's like, that's just part of life. But pain is part of life. Suffering is part of life. It's our reality. And often there's times as your pastor, I would say, I sympathize with the tears that you are shedding. I understand the sorrow of heart. I, I understand the pain and difficulty. Friend, that's why we must have the strength of our, of our, of our God and, and we must have the word of God. But it's part of life. And often we might would say, get used to it, overcome it, deal with it, don't quit in spite of it. But this, these things that are mentioned in verse number four, it is our reality today. But those things are passing away. And Jesus said, all things will be new. What's going to be new? A day with no pain. Not only will there be no pain, there'll be no understanding of what pain even is. Because we'll have a glorified body that will know no pain. We'll know no weakness. Pastor, you mean that I won't? If I'm going to go check my mail at the end of that golden sidewalk... I'm not going to have to take a break halfway down and a break halfway back. No. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more death. Think about this. We say it. We, we believe it to be true, but I don't think we let that sink in. When you get a phone call in the middle of the night, your mind automatically goes to the worst case scenario. Are you here of somebody passing and you and your heart breaks and you and you sympathize with those who are who are grieving and you realize that's just part of life it's our reality but in heaven that's not reality There's a new reality of no tears no death no sorrow no crying no pain All things will be made new so you may ask, Pastor, I'm glad that you're bringing this out and reminding it, but 
really what is, what is the purpose of this. And friend, you and I can be encouraged as we, as we labor with a sorrowful heart here. The day is coming when we will not know any sorrow. We, we, we get comfort because we shed tears down here and we say, how much longer am I going to have to endure this? How much more sorrow and pain and, and suffering and discomfort am I going to have to deal with? And friend, we can be encouraged because Jesus is telling us that there's coming a day, there's coming a time when there's a new reality and the old things are passed away, and all things are become new, and just as real is it to us to get up and have those creaks and those pains, and just as real as it is when we think about certain things, those tears are going to come down our cheek, the time is coming, when that's not going to be a reality. The reality is going to be, we'll never feel suffering of any kind anymore. This is faithful. This is true. Jesus will make all things new. Number two, I say this morning, the glory of God will be its beauty and its light. There are songs that are written about that beautiful city. There are reminders of what we had to look forward to in, in heaven where the Street, how beautiful the city when the streets are made out of gold. The walls are made out of precious stones. And friend, that will be a beautiful thing. And chapter number 21 documents and gives us some description of that city. But I want to draw your attention to verse number 11. Having the glory of God. Her light was like unto a stone. The glory of God is what makes a difference in that city. In verse number 22, And I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. In verse 23, And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. The glory of God is His presence. Boy, the precious stones, we won't look at that as the beauty because it will be the glory of God that will be the beauty. Can you imagine being in the presence of God in all his glory? We can try and imagine it, but we can't even fathom it. As a point of reference, we think back to the Old Testament, and Moses asked God to let him see him in his glory. If you think, if you know that story, you think back to that story, and God told Moses, said, you can't handle it. I can't let you see me and my glory, because you'll die. And he takes Moses and he puts him in the cleft of a rock and he says, I'll show you just some of my hinder parts. I'll show you just a little bit of my glory. Otherwise, you couldn't even see. You couldn't handle. And you're thinking, when Moses came down off that mountain, his face shone with the glory of God. What was it? It was the presence of God. You and I, because we'll have our glorified bodies, will be able to see the glory of God. And read, I don't have time this morning because I have much more I want to get to, but if you read the size of that city and how big that city is that will contain all of the redeemed, it is lit by God's glory. There's no lights there. 
There's no rolling blackouts in heaven. There's no energy crisis. Because God is there in all of His glory. This is true. This is faithful. It's not changing. By the way, can I make a practical application for you and I this morning? If we want to experience the glory of God as His people, the only way to do it is with His presence. That's why the most important thing that takes place on Sunday in this place is the fact that God and His presence is welcome. God and His presence is here. In your life, if you want to experience as much as you can the glory of God in this life we live, it all ties to the presence of God. The glory of God will be in His beauty and light. And number three, and this is where I'll spend a little time, and I like what I said about number one and what we're reminded of, all things are going to be made new. I like that, don't you? I like to be reminded, as we just said, number two, the glory of God will be in His beauty. To think, I read, and that's one of those passages about Moses that I just mentioned that, 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 that just speaks to my heart. I'm sorry, uh, uh, Abraham, it speaks to my heart, and, and I want to, be, to think of the glory of God. But then I, I think of number three and the, the fact that the heirs will receive their inheritance. Look at me again at verse number seven. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. God has an inheritance for his children that is unlike any inheritance that you and I can imagine. Maybe you have, you're in somebody's will, and you just pray you don't inherit debt. But you inherit things. We, we think of monetary things, but there's an inheritance of sentimental things. There's an inheritance of our heritage, which I would say, humanly speaking, is the greatest thing that we inherit. But can you imagine being an heir? If you're saved, you're an heir of God. And I'm reminded as Jesus commands John to write these things down. He tells us in verse number 7, He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, he shall be my son. The heirs, those that are saved, will receive their inheritance. We're going to inherit eternal life. We inherit these wonderful things that we find in Scripture. When we look at that word inherit, it means that we're, we're granted things due to our relationship, our those, those things that we see as that inheritance. But who is the Bible talking of? You and I could probably answer that pretty simply. He's talking about the saved, the redeemed. But I want to let the, this verse of Scripture in this book of the Bible define that for us. Who are the heirs? Well, in verse number 7, we see, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. You say, those that, that just in spite of their circumstances, they pressed on and and they inherited the kingdom of God. It's more than that. It says, he that overcometh. Well, who is he that overcometh? If you'll look back to Revelation chapter number 12, this is where I want you to follow very carefully. We look at Revelation chapter number 12. We are told who it is that overcometh. 
We're not just told who it is that overcometh. We're told how they overcome. Because, friend, you and I cannot do anything in our own power, and our own merit, to overcome our sins. There, there are things that we can, we can fail, and we can pick ourselves up, and we can move forward, and all of us should do that. But we can't overcome this old flesh. We can't overcome the fact that we're all sinners, friend. No matter who you are this morning, I want you to understand something. You are a sinner. I'm a sinner. Every man is a sinner. How can we overcome that sin nature? Well, humanly speaking, we cannot. But some light is shed in Revelation chapter number 12. We look at verse number 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. He is, the day is coming, and that accuser who enters the presence of God and accuses you and I to God as he did Job, the day is coming when he's going to be cast out, that he's not going to have access to God anymore. He's going to go to and fro on this earth. Now notice what takes place in verse 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. Watch this, verse 11. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. They're going to be those who pay the price with their life. They're those through time and through history. They're martyred for their faith, recant, the, recant Jesus Christ, and they refused to do so and were put to death because their faith was in Christ. How did they overcome? They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Through Christ as our salvation. Friend, in, in, in our text this morning, we are reminded that there's an inheritance. We're going to inherit to who? All those that have overcome. Friend, if you're saved this morning, you got saved the same way everybody who's ever been saved got saved. That's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. His shed blood on Calvary is what washes away the sins of man. A church can't grant that. A pope can't grant that. A holy man can't grant that. You and your goodness can't do enough good works to work your way to heaven. There is but one person who will be in heaven one day who will inherit these things, and that is the individual who overcame by the blood of the Lamb. We must have our sins washed and forgiven only through what Christ has done. This is the saved. This is the redeemed. It will not matter. When it comes to your salvation, where your church membership was, it will matter whether or not you put your faith and trust in Christ's finished work on Calvary. It is not going to matter if your grandmother believed and you just didn't know if you should put your faith. It's only going to matter if you personally are an overcomer. Your sins you overcame by the blood of the Lamb. Turn back to Revelation chapter number 2 with me very quickly. The very beginning of this book, Revelation chapter number 2. When I see that word in our text of we inherit, those that have overcome inherit. Friend, this is quite inheritance. Eternal life. 
is what is being talked about. This new heaven, this new earth, this new reality of, of, our, of our tears being wiped away and, and, our, and, our, and our shortcomings being wiped away. We have this incorruptible body that we live with. We look in Revelation chapter number 2, is, and in these, Revelation 2 and, verse, and chapter 3, and Jesus is speaking to the churches, but we find in verse number 7, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh, Will I give to eat of the tree of life? Same chapter, chapter 2, verse 11. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. He that overcometh shall not be heard of the second death. We'll look at the second death in just a moment. It's that eternal damnation paying for your sins in all of eternity, in all, for all of eternity. He that overcometh by the blood of the Lamb will not be heard of that. Verse 17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh. Will I give to eat of the hidden man, and I will give him a white stone, and a stone of a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. Well, you think about this, and we don't have time to talk about this, but would you trust Christ as your Savior? God has, a, God has a pet name for you. He has a, he has a new name for you. Verse 26, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Chapter 3, verse 5, He that overcometh the name shall be clothed in white raiment. And I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. Let that verse sink in for a little while. Verse number 12 of the same chapter. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Verse number 21 of chapter 3. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and have sat down with my Father in his throne. When we look at our, uh, this verse this morning in verse number 7 of chapter 21, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Who is he that overcometh? It's the saved, it's the redeemed, it's the born again. Friend, you and I, the Bible tells us that we are condemned because of our unbelief. We are told that we are condemned because death has passed from Adam to all men because we have a sin nature. But how do we overcome what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Friend, when you and I, by simple faith, put our faith and trust in what Christ did on Calvary, realizing that he took upon him my sins, your sins, the sins of all men, because we could not overcome in our own power. We could not overcome in our own works, and our own goodness, but only by the shed blood of Christ do we overcome. But the day is going to come when heirs will receive their inheritance. Friend, let me remind you what we have in Christ. We're an heir. So, Pastor, it just seems like we can't get ahead down here on earth. Can I remind you of what is true and what is faithful? The day is going to come when the redeemed are going to inherit. We're going to receive our inheritance, the new residence, the new relationship, the new reality. The fact that Christ is going to be with us in that wonderful place God has prepared for us. We're going to receive that. This is true. This is faithful. Hey, friend, don't, 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 we count the cost down here. We realize there's a payment for, for what we do down here, but we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, and we have something to look forward to. That's why we ought to be challenged as a Christian. We don't, we don't put our roots down here because our eternity is in heaven and we need to be laying up treasures in heaven. 
because we have an inheritance to receive. Verse number four, and I must hasten. Here's another wonderful promise, something that we can look forward to in the future. Chapter 21, look at me at verse number 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it that new heaven, that new earth, anything that defileth. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Sin defiles. Number four, sin will be eternally banished. As a parent, it's it's a challenge, it's hard to try and keep the things from your children that will defile them. What is it that will defile them? Sin. To every person in this room, sin defiles. We look at the horrible things in this world and we say, it's because of this group of politicians or it's because of this group of people. No, it's because of sin. Sin defiles. Well, you look and those of you that that know me, you know that I like history, and I, I feel like I'm a pretty student of, of our nation, pretty good student of our nation's history, and you can track several things throughout our nation, and certainly God's grace has been shed on our nation. But what has changed our nation? Is it, is it capitalism? Is it, is, is it the Democrats or the Republicans? Friend, I got one word for you, and it's not, this isn't popular preaching this morning. Sin has changed our nation. Sin has defiled our nation. And sin has defiled for generations. And it is sin that is defiling the capital. And it is sin that is defiling our schools. And it is sin that defiles our homes today. It is sin that defiles. But the day is coming. And that new city, that everything that defiles will be banished. It bothers me as a Christian, first of all, but it bothers me as an American, not just the things that are allowed in our nation, but the things that are legislated that we're supposed to tolerate. It defiles. It bothers me, and I know it's Sunday morning, and maybe if we had more preaching like this on Sunday morning across our nation, our nation would be different. But friend, you can't just turn on your TV because the things that will come on TV will defile your family. It will defile your mind. It will defile your marriage. You can't just pull books off the bookshelf because in the things that they, the books that they are interjecting into the school curriculum in our nation today, what does it do? It defiles. Because sin's very nature defiles. It's amazing. You put a football game on and the, the commercials that are, the, the, the defiles. It's sin. Boy, as a pastor, boy, it breaks my heart. It keeps me up at night thinking of the things and the way the devil has taken the same old thing and he's repackaged it. And now with technology today, he has the ability to bring it right to the very hand of the individual and the very things that defile. But friend, can I tell you, 
this pastor, this parent will rest easy in this day because those things which defile will not be in that city. And oh, and what are we going to do in our city in the and the crime, and the, and the poverty, and all these things, and we need to legislate, and we need programs. We, no, we need to address the sin problem. But in that city, there'll be no graffiti. There'll be no vagrant in the gutter. There'll be no broken homes. There'll be no scars of sin in that which defiles. Because all things that defile will not be allowed in that city. Friend, that something to look forward to. See, Pastor, do you really think that's the way it's going to be? This is true. It's fact. This is faithful. It's not changing. Sin will be eternally banished. But we think of sin being eternally banished, and I look forward to that day. And part of the reason that I bring this out is for you and I, to be encouraged about that day, but we will have to deal, and certainly this morning, we've all felt the effects of sin in our life. All of us feel the effects, and some would say, I, I feel the greater, I, in a greater way, I know what sin did to me, I know what sin did to my home, and sin did to my marriage, and sin did to my life, and I bear scars, and aren't you thankful for the forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ? Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? He'll pick you up, He'll clean you up, and in Christ, you have his record. But that day, there won't be any scars of sin. And by the way, let me just stop right here and just speak to everybody, but to all the young people in the building. Sin will scar you in ways you can't even imagine. And every mom and dad has got your children in that church nursery and then a children's church are sitting in the pews here with you this morning. You need to understand something. Sin will defile. Keep it out your home. Don't play with it. It'll defile. But the day's coming. Sin will be banished forever. But with that, we must also consider verse number 8 of chapter 21. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Chapter 20, the previous chapter, verse 14, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. We know that at the end of verse, chapter 21, we are told that sin will be banished forever. And in, chapter, in verse number 8, we find this list of those who are going to be cast into that lake of fire. And maybe this morning you would say, I, 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 may, I, I may not be the abominable, I may not be the murderer or the whoremonger or sorcerer, but, but we've, we're all liars, we've all told lies. Well, how is it that I don't have to worry about that? Well, but the fearful and unbelieving, 
If you and I are the believing, we've overcome by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But friend, if you're here this morning and we rejoice that in heaven there'll be no sin, it'll be banished, but those that die in their sins cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Friend, this morning you need to let the weight of this reality weigh on you if you've never dealt with the condition of your soul. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is a place the child of God looks forward to. But friend, I know that if I took my last breath today in that instant, I would be with my Lord and Savior. I have eternity, I have heaven to look forward to. But it's because of the blood of Christ as my record. If you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, according to this book, you do not have the same hope. You must deal with your eternity. I conclude this morning, we consider all these things that the Bible tells us and that which is faithful and true, what we have to look forward to. And this morning, I hope that this gives us some encouragement of what we have to look forward to. As things begin to continue to deteriorate down here, we have a place that is perfect. It's the inheritance of God. The things that defile. And, and friend, as a child of God, you ought to look at the nation you live in and you ought to be heartbroken. We've got a lot of angry Christians about the things that are taking place in our country. And that's well and good. We ought to be, be angry at the wrongs that are done. But I'll tell you what would do a lot more good than the righteous indignation of God's people. would be a broken heart at what sin has done. And deal with the, old, the sin in our own heart, in our own life, in our own home. Deal with the sin. And the day's coming when sin is going to be banished, but the effects are here and now. And friend, you must reconcile your own sins with a holy God. The only way to do that is accept the payment that Christ has made. I'll conclude with this. We look back in verse 27 and we see in there shall in no wise enter into anything that defileth into whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. If we go back to chapter number 20, which we won't take the time to read it, we read of the names that are read in that book of life. They have to look forward to what we're encouraged by. But if the name's not in that land's book of life, meaning that you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you've never put your faith and trust and believed in what He did and that it was necessary, all sin and those who were not believers are cast for eternity in that horrible place. See, if we keep things in perspective this morning as a Christian... We have nothing but good to look forward to. Because it's faithful and it's true. The reality is, the day's coming when we will be with our Savior, all of us. And the judgment is going to take place. But I'm thankful that my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. I'm thankful today that I can say I've overcome. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't think I have the grit that you have. It has nothing to do with the grit of an individual, but the belief in what Christ did. 
to belief in His sacrifice and to belief that my goodness isn't enough. There's nothing I could do to earn the forgiveness of a holy God. But through Christ, friend, this morning if you're saved, aren't you thankful you're saved? We have an inheritance to look forward to. Pastor, it just seems like as soon as I get ahead, I, I end up getting behind. Just, just life isn't fair. No, it's not. But let me tell you, you've got an inheritance to look forward to. And that new reality, there won't be any disappointment. There'll be no more tears. Contrast that with the end of chapter 20. And the judgment of God and all those Refuse to believe in Christ. Let me tell you what that crowd will be. And that list in chapter 21 tells those that were cast in. But there'll be church members. Those that had their name on a roll, but they depended in the religious exercise. There'll be sincere people who in... God calls up the dead at that great white throne. They as an individual, they can't hide behind anybody then. They as an individual will give an account of their life, their sins. When their name is not found, they'll be cast into that horrible, horrible lake of fire. Well, let me tell you why I'm not scared. Because my name's in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, you, were, you grew up in a Christian home. You grew up in a pastor's home. Well, I wouldn't get me there. In some ways, it put me farther away. I wouldn't get me there. Only through Christ. Lord, you're redeemed today. We have something to look forward to. As we go to our time of invitation, and I'll close this in prayer in just a moment, make sure you know you're saved. If you're saved this morning, let's not be discouraged about what's taking place. We ought to be burdened about what's going on in our world, but that burden ought to lead us to look forward to that place called heaven, to be a light in this dark world. Well, if you're here this morning, you've never, never put your faith in Christ. In just a moment, you have an opportunity to. You have an opportunity for somebody to show you from the Bible how you can be saved. I trust that you'll allow someone to do that. Father, I pray that you would use the message this morning.